Hey, what's up, everybody? Thought I would just hop on live. Oh, my goodness, what is happening? Stop it. There we go. Hey, what's up, everybody? So here I am. Oh, my goodness, falling apart. Falling apart. There we go. Sorry about that. So now here on live thought, you know, today I wanted to put out my final prediction as to what was going to be the roster. I also want to give some thought as to what the practice squad could look like for the Green Bay Packers. So thought I might as well do it live. If anyone is able to hop on here and join me short notice, that'd be great. I'll answer your questions at the end, but just really wanted to go through looking at this roster. We already know the Packers made one move. Probably was more so a courtesy to the player than anything. We'll be getting into that shortly. But the Packers have already begun the process of trimming down their 91, for all intents and purposes, man roster down to the actual 53-man roster plus the practice squad plus a roster exemption that the Packers are actually afforded this year for taking on someone in the International Pathways program. So let's start at the very beginning. Don't want to do too much other stuff today. Just want to get right to it for the 53-man roster. First of all, at the quarterback position, pretty simple. I think we all know this. This one's going to be Jordan Love and Sean Clifford. Clifford, of course, the quarterback too, has been now for a while. Matt LaFleur saying as much even last week in kind of a, a rare move that he actually tipped the, uh, the lineup card. But then I think Alex Magoo does have a good chance for the practice squad. Looking at the running back position, the Green Bay Packers for sure are going to hang on to two. We know that Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon. But might a number three make the roster? I've gone back and forth on this. And for a while now, I think even in the last two videos, I said that the Packers would be holding on to just two, Jones and Dillon, because they have such depth later on in the running back position, further down the depth chart. Of course, you've got the emergence of Emmanuel Wilson. You've got Tyler Goodson and his playmaker, Millie, Patrick Taylor, seventh-round pick Lou Nichols, who, even though he's been hurt for a while, certainly was kind of in the mix early on in training camp. So when it comes to the running back position, I was thinking just two, Jones and Dillon. But then I was doing some reading earlier today, and something really kind of struck me. You know, the practice squad call-ups, you know, if a player gets cut, added to the practice squad, they can then be called up on game day. But they only have so many of those. And with the Tyler Davis injury, as Bisaccia called losing his right hand, Patrick Taylor might genuinely be needed or counted on in some way, shape, or form in all 17 games. Thus meaning the practice squad call-up thing isn't going to work. You almost have to hope for an injury later on to put someone on IR, bring Taylor up, much like the Packers did last year. So if that's the case, you could just carry him on the initial 53, which... I've kind of leaned towards now. Now, don't get me wrong, Emmanuel Wilson is, in, for all intents and purposes, probably the better running back. But he's not necessarily better at pass pro or special teams, which is really what they look at the running back three position for. So as much as I think it makes logical sense this year to hang on to two, as much as I think Emmanuel Wilson may be the better running back, I still think they go three running backs now, include Taylor on the 53 hope to retain Wilson amongst others on the practice squad. Again, going to get to the practice squad at the very end. So I've changed my mind. Let's move forward with three running backs, but we'll see what they formally do tomorrow. And then of course, at the fullback position, if that's what you want to call them, just one Josiah DeGuara for now, the wide receiver position, we're going to go with six. I just have not been compelled to follow others with going with seven wide receivers. 
I very much understand the rationale why, and Brian Gutekunst and Matt LaFleur have done it before, including last year. Certainly a holding a quantity, maybe instead of quality type argument for the Packers. But in this way, in this roster this year, I think it makes the most sense to just go with six. Those six being Watson, Dobbs, Reed, your clear cut top three wide receivers. Probably then UDFA Malik Heath, followed by Samari Toure and Dontavian Wicks. Where does that leave Grant DuBose? Where does that leave Boo Melton? Grant DuBose, seventh round pick this year. We know that Brian Gutekunst does not move on from his draft picks. Well, at the running back position, he's probably already going to have to do it with Lou Nichols. And probably going to have to do it here too. DuBose did show some flashes, did show why he was picked at all in the preseason game, including a few catches over these last couple. But ultimately, at the end of the day, in several different ways, DuBose is still behind the eight ball. He missed all of OTAs, missed the beginning part of training camp with that back injury. So now it's a question of whether Grant DuBose can hurdle these other wide receivers. And in my mind, no, he's still too far behind. And realistically, you know, I, the conversation is probably at this point, Toure versus DuBose. You know, Toure has not exactly lit the world on fire this training camp, nor has he done that on special teams as the returner. But I have a very hard time considering that Samari Toure was basically the primary off-season hype man that the Packers are now just going to step backwards and completely release him off the roster. I still think they like Samari Toure too much to do that, ultimately, at the end of the day. But Dubose, I don't think he's shown the same, same overall quality yet. So move Dubose onto the practice squad for now and just maintain six wide receivers. At the tight end position, we know Tyler Davis out for the year with his ACL injury, and that leaves you, of course, Musgrave and Kraft. Musgrave has been the apple of many people's eye over the preseason campaign, and we know, except for this last game with the Seahawks, basically whenever Jordan Love was on the field, Musgrave was also on the field. Kraft has had very, very up-and-down performances, especially in regards to his blocking. It's been quite literally hit or miss for Tucker Kraft thus far in his blocking. And they ultimately still need another human being at the tight end position. DeGuara can play tight end, certainly. But I really think the Packers want to make his primary focus that H-back, fullback style role. And truly see what they have there. Mirroring other teams that have done it successfully for a few years now, like the San Francisco 49ers. Dedicate someone to that position and leave him alone. So where does that leave the Packers? Well, you've got Musgrave. You've got Kraft. And then I think... You hang on to Austin Allen. Now, one consideration here was potentially hanging on to a second fullback instead and have DeGuara play more tight end. Thus, you're looking at keeping Pearson on the roster. But ultimately, Pearson had a relatively up and down preseason, received some very unfavorable grades from PFF, especially in his special teams play, and now is troubled by a knee injury that, frankly, we don't know the full severity of. So I think the easier call here is to keep DeGuar at H-back, Musgrave Craft at tight end, and then also keep Austin Allen. Keep him on your 53. Austin Allen was the fifth best ranked from PFF run-blocking tight end of the NFL over the course of the preseason. Now, few disclaimers. One, that's PFF, so take it for what it's worth. Two, we really run-blocking grading tight ends in the preseason? right? I know. It's super, super in-depth, limited sample sizes across the league, of course, right? But Austin Allen did prove to have a certain medal at run blocking, and he certainly is the type of athlete that the Packers look for at the tight end position. There is something to work with there. 
Now, if after the cutdowns occur, if there's another tight end out there that the Green Bay Packers like, I won't be shocked at all to see them move on from Austin Allen to a different tight end. Wouldn't surprise me in the least. But for right now, Austin Allen makes the roster. Looking over at the offensive line position, I still think the Packers keep 10. And of course, your starter, like week one starting lineup at this point, David Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins, Josh Myers, John Runyon Jr., followed by Zach Tom at the right tackle. I do believe, in spite of all of the experimentation, that is the Packers' preferred A1 offensive line. And then if there's an injury on the interior, slide Zach Tom into the interior and put out Rasheed Walker or Yash Nyman at the right tackle spot. Or if David Bakhtiari starts having trouble with the fluid in the knee again, then you wind up playing Yash or Walker out there and leave the rest of the line as is. In terms of depth on the line, I do think Rasheed Walker is an absolute roster lock now. For all intents and purposes, it appears as though he surpassed Yash as the swing tackle on the team, leaving Yash still on the team, unless, of course, they work out a trade. By the way, I know that's a popular discussion point right now, like trading Yash is this new discussion that they could do. But keep in mind that Yash Nyman started over 20 games in the last two years has proven to be a more than competent NFL tackle. And if there's a team out there that wants to trade for him right now, the Packers are probably only going to trade him, bearing in mind what compensatory pick they would get the second that he goes and signs elsewhere. So a team's trade compensation is going to have to go over and above what the Packers would receive. Bear that in mind as we're projecting Yash to be traded. Now, I don't personally think that that's going to happen. If a team does call up Brian Kudekunst and say, hey, we're going to give you our two for Yash, sure, do it. But I just don't see that happening at this point in the preseason. So you hang on to Yash as your second swing offensive tackle. And given some of the durability concerns on the offensive line historically with David Bakhtiari, amongst others, it's not necessarily the worst idea to have two swing tackles on this team. In addition to that, I think you also hang on to Caleb Jones. The Packers do have a certain affinity for the six foot nine lineman. He's gotten coached up on numerous days at training camp, one on one time with Luke Butkus. There is a certain level of investment there for the Packers, and they did hold him on the 53 for the majority of the year last year. So I think they still continue to hang on to him, which leaves them perilously thin on the interior offensive line depth, where you're looking at Sean Ryan. And I do still think that they retain Royce Newman. Now, I don't personally love it. And I know most of you probably don't personally love it. But the truth is, who else would they keep on the interior offensive line? And if they go down to nine, then you're looking at Zach Tom playing in the interior line, switching out your your swing tackles. And really, your only backup interior offensive lineman then is Sean Ryan. He's the only one. It's just, it's, to me... It's just begging for disaster to go that far down, that thin on the interior offensive line. So at this point, you still hang on to Royce Newman. Now, much like Austin Allen, maybe there's someone who comes available from cuts. Maybe there's someone who becomes a a free agent. Well, then maybe the Packers evaluate improving their interior offensive line depth. But at this point, I think Royce Newman still sticks. So your grand total, 10 offensive linemen, Bakhtiari, Jenkins, Myers, John Ryan Jr., Zach Tom, Rasheed Walker, Yash Nyman, Royce Newman, Sean Ryan, and Caleb Jones. One pertinent question that I do want to answer right now. Most questions I'm going to hold until the very end, but I see Tyler here has a question saying, why is Myers the only lineman that hasn't cost trained at another position? To be totally frank, Tyler, I don't know. 
It's something that I've wondered aloud before. Should Myers be looked at at guard, especially if the majority of Myers' problems to this point have been snapping? Why not see if he can be a guard? He probably won't be the most physical dominating guard, but there's no reason why he can't be a John Runyon Jr. type guard. Because, I mean, both Myers and Runyon Jr. do have similar play styles. You know, they probably could get a little bit more ferocious at the point of attack. But when it comes to, to pass defense, they're both significantly above average pass defenders. Myers was top 10 per PFF in pass blocking last year. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just being honest. I would think try him at guard, see what happens, especially if you want Tom to get to the center position. And maybe they have tried it behind closed doors because, I mean, it's not like we see every single practice. Or maybe at this point, they just want Myers to 1 million percent focus on the center position. That they feel as though the best way that he's going to get progress at center is by focusing exclusively on center. Maybe that's it. Could be something we find out soon. So, looking at further specialists, we know Pat O'Donnell is gone. Packers announced that earlier today that they were releasing the 32-year-old punter, that Dan Whalen's uh, ascension over O'Donnell on the depth chart, his mighty powerful leg has won him the job. Now, I thought Pat O'Donnell would be sticking around. I know how much Passaccia likes him. He's more experienced, seems to do some of the nuance of punter better. But at the end of the day, O'Donnell was, by most metrics, a below-average punter last year. And I'm talking in things you can calculate. Holding is, by all accounts, one of the best punters in the league. But by things you can calculate, hang time, number of punts inside the 20, you know, that kind of stuff, O'Donnell was pretty well below average in most. And the Packers must be figuring here, hey, let's bring in the big-legged Irishman. If he can outdo a lot of those numbers, then, you know, the loss that we have at holding, of which Passaccio said that Whelan's gotten much better holding, so keep that in mind then it becomes worth it to move on from O'Donnell, get younger at the position, get someone who's in a longer contract than O'Donnell was, since O'Donnell only has one year left, and someone ultimately cheaper because the Packers do save a little over a million dollars by releasing Pat O'Donnell. So given all of that, sure, they went with the Irishman, Dan Whelan. At kicker, of course, you've got Anders Carlson. And at long snapper, I think it's still Matt Orzik's job. They gave him a three-year contract this offseason to be the long snapper. So I think he wins. He's had, you know, I don't want to say he's been unsteady in camp. He still has probably been superior to Broughton Hatcher. Orzik has, for the most part, been good. So it's his job for sure. Moving on to the defensive side of the ball, looking at five defensive linemen. I know it's become very in vogue to go with six, but like I've been saying over the last two years, yes, the Packers have kept to six defensive linemen. Two years ago, it was Jack Heflin. And then he never really played. Last year, it was John Ford, who was never even active last year. So why are we hanging on to six? I am confident that Jonathan Ford, seventh round pick of a year ago, would make it to the practice squad. I know the popular phrase going around right now is Ted Thompson said, the good Lord only made so many when referring to big men. But if you're talking about a replacement level player, even in spite of the progress that he's made in John Ford, Every team's got one of them. So I would think you could get Ford onto the practice squad. And then if there are injuries, anything to that effect, then elevate Ford later on in the season. But at this point on the 53, considering that he's no longer a fresh draft pick, it just doesn't make sense to me to hang on to that sixth 
when you have no intention of playing him, and he's probably going to be deactivated most days anyway. So hang on to five, and those five would be Kenny Clark, Devontae Wyatt, TJ Slayton, Wooden, and Brooks, the two rookies. Looking at inside linebacker, like I was talking about, Tariq Carpenter, he's the question mark for me. Your top four, I think, are very well locked. Devondre Campbell, Quay Walker, Isaiah McDuffie, and Eric Wilson. I know some people are saying that Eric Wilson may get released. I just don't see it. He's too vital on special teams. He's too good of a tackler on teams to just be let go. Not to mention the fact that in 2020, he had a 100-tackle season while starting every game for the Minnesota Vikings at inside linebacker. So I would think they're going to hang on to that for the sake of special teams and emergency inside linebacker if needed. Tariq Carpenter, undergoing this position change, has not exactly looked the best at inside linebacker. Still could make it as a special teams ace, I guess. But to me, they've already got a number of guys that they're going to hang on to just for teams. So where does that leave Carpenter? Makes more sense to me to let Carpenter go, get him on the practice squad, give him a year to train him up, understand this new position, and then see if he can stick. So four inside linebackers, Campbell, Walker, McDuffie, Wilson. Outside linebacker, looking at the edge. Packers, I think, are going to go heavy here. I don't see them releasing any one of the vets, but I also have a hard time believing that they're going to let go of Brenton Cox if he's the one guy that may actually get picked up by somebody else. So I'm going to go with six, Gary, Smith, Hollins, Enigbare, LVN, and Cox. Now, I've seen some people today on Twitter talk about the Packers potentially releasing Preston Smith. No, I just can't see it. Like the Packers would absorb so much dead money. He still is your number one outside linebacker while Rashawn Gary continues to work his way back. I won't be shocked at all if Rashawn Gary is on a snap count throughout the first month of the season. So Preston Smith is sticking around. And then Enigbare or LVN, they're going to get their snaps. Hollins probably more so on running downs. That's the way I see it kind of breaking down. I can't see them moving on from Hollins when he was retained on a one-year contract and even last week was getting a bunch of the one snaps in camp opposite Preston Smith. Yes, Enigbare did kind of jump in there, get some of the one snaps, as deservedly so with how he played against New England. But Hollins was still in the mix there, and I just can't see them letting him go. Brenton Cox has gotten better and better as the preseason has gone on. So again, I have difficulty seeing them moving on from Brenton Cox when they know that they might have found a diamond in the rough there who's very cheap under contract for a long time. So to move on from him when he may be one of the only guys that stands any potential to be moved on from or to be picked up just doesn't make a lot of sense. So let's keep all six. Looking at the cornerback position, Jerry Alexander, Douglas, Nixon, of course, and then Karen Valentine, maybe the easiest seventh round rookie to ever project onto a roster ever given the preseason that he's had. And then what? Then you get into cornerback five, maybe being Keandre Thomas, Innis Gaines, Valentine, a number of different suitors down there vying for cornerback five. But you know what? In this final projection of mine, I think the Packers actually cut it short here because they would rather hang on to someone at a more premium position. I know cornerback's incredibly premium, but I'm talking cornerback five. I think they'd rather hang on to someone else or one of those special teams aces than a guy who you don't have any confidence in playing cornerback five anyway. So let's just stick with the four, Alexander, Douglas, Nixon, Valentine, and of course Stokes starting the season on PUP. 
And then, you know, for that fifth corner, try to retain an Enos Gaines, Keandre Thomas, Ballantyne. I think any one of them would make it onto the practice squad or a couple so that you have multiple elevations to work your way through. Plus, keep in mind that this area on the roster is very much subject to change per Eric Stokes's evolving health situation throughout the course of the year. At the safety position, I don't necessarily feel good about it, but I'm keeping all six. And those six would be Darnell Savage, Rudy Ford, Owens, Moore, Anthony Johnson Jr., and Dallin Levitt. Now, I've talked about this in a bunch of videos, so I'm not going to go on too long here, but Rich Versaccia lost Tyler Davis. That was his go-to guy on special teams. His other go-to guy, Dallin Levitt. And I have a very hard time believing that the Packers, even as much of a liability as Levitt is in the secondary, are just going to move on from Dallin Levitt. Now, could they cut Anthony Johnson Jr.? Sure, but he's the only safety on the roster with more than one year under his contract. Might they move on from Owens? Yeah, they could. He's been a liability in coverage, but Owens has been exactly as prescribed. He's been exactly as advertised when he signed from Houston. Liability in coverage, very good tackler. That's what he's been. I don't think there's anything surprising about that to this point. One thing that could complicate this is Tavarius Moore and what exactly is going on with his injury situation, which we have not gotten many details about. From all accounts, looks like he's going to be better sooner rather than later, in which case you want that speed. You want that experience in the secondary. So I really think here, looking at this, I just couldn't find a way that they're going to move on from one of these six safeties. So it still is a 10-man secondary to start the year, but this whole secondary area is one thing, one area on the team that I think is going to face a certain number of fluctuations as the season evolves. Now, there's four guys that I think are going to see receive injury designations in some way, shape, or form. Keep in mind, if they go on IR like now, they're done for the year. It's done. The players you put on IR now, like they did with Tyler Davis, cannot be brought back later in the year with all of those rules of the last couple of years. If you want the right to bring back an injury reserve player, they must be on your initial 53, then placed on the IR, then you can sign someone to take that spot. Okay, so just bear that in mind. Ultimately, though, I think the Packers wind up with four guys with some kind of injury designation the other option, and it's one that's entirely possible, so bear it in mind, they could waive someone with an injury designation now and then sign them back later in the year when they when they feel that they're healthy. There are some rules in there about it must be X number of weeks between the cut and the re-sign. You can't just cut a guy with an injury designation and then sign him back next week. There are rules about that, but it is an option, especially for some of these lower tier guys. So I still think the Packers are going to see four guys with some kind of injury designation. That's going to be Stokes, Davis, Tenuta. And don't be shocked if they essentially redshirt Lou Nichols this year. Slap him on IR now. Or keep Nichols on the initial 53 because they're not worried about Patrick Taylor going anywhere. So keep Nichols on the initial 53, then throw him on IR and sign Patrick Taylor back. Would not be shocked at all to see that occur. So we got four guys there. Practice squad. We know that there's 16 spots, really 17 this year for the Packers, because they do have a Dumagoo who does not count against any type of roster number this year. He's a true redshirt, if you will. So he's certainly factored in. The Packers aren't just going to get rid of him for nothing. 
But then their 16-man practice squad, a separate him, would be Magoo at quarterback, kind of their number three practice squad guy. Keep Wilson on the practice squad if you can get him back, which I think you can. And then Tyler Goodson, who's had that shoulder injury now for a couple of weeks, is really on the verge of coming back from what we've heard. Continue to develop him on the squad. Then you've got Dubose, seventh-round pick of this year. Put him on the practice squad since I don't have him in the 53. Bo Melton, who looked like a guy who could crack the 53 up until his hamstring injury and does have great potential and the slot position as well as special teams. Hang on to your fullback, Henry Pearson. Again, don't know what that knee injury is. No one said, but get him on your practice squad. And then two offensive linemen, one being Kadeem Telford, big bodied guy, kind of in that Caleb Jones mold, someone that the Packers very much would like to continue to develop. Beyond that, though, how about James Empey? Put him on the practice squad. He's put some very, very good things on tape uh, over the course of the preseason coming out of BYU. He's a little bit older. He does have a lot of game experience between collegiate and pro, so let's keep him on the practice squad. Then moving to the defensive side of the ball, John Ford, as I said, get him onto the practice squad. Dariq Carpenter, for sure. Jimmy Phillips Jr., another inside linebacker, UDFA, who at the linebacker position did outperform Tariq Carpenter through several different evaluations this camp. And then Keyshawn Banks, your edge, your kind of developmental edge guy, keep him on the practice squad. At cornerback, Ballantyne and Innis Gaines retain both of them on the practice squad. And then at safety, Benny Sapp. There's 15 guys on the practice squad. And you know the practice squad is never made up of exclusively guys that the Packers cut. There's at least one guy brought on from somewhere else, right? Because as soon as they declare their roster, they're going to hold workouts next week, and that could change around the practice squad pretty quick. But in my eyes, those are 15 guys who I did not include in the 53 that stand a very, very good chance of being on the Packers practice squad with one open spot for some shenanigans about getting somebody from somewhere else. Four guys with injury designations. And then there you have it. Your Green Bay Packers, 53-man initial roster. Now, before I answer any questions, I am going to go live tomorrow. True, like, Q&A style as opposed to today where I just wanted to get the info out and then take a couple questions tomorrow. Let's all react to the news that is the Green Bay Packers 53 tomorrow together. Probably will be 4 p.m. again. I'll put out an announcement in the morning. But that's what I'm looking ahead to as the Packers make all of these moves. Before I wrap up, if you've got any other questions, make sure you comment them now because I'm going to do just a couple questions and then get out of here for the day. So Tyler again saying Tom Jenkins play all five positions. Runyon plays both guard spots and center. Same for Sean Ryan. Royce plays both guards and played right tackle as well. Myers not trying guard is weird to me. It's weird to me too, Tyler. And it the only thing, like I said earlier, that seems to make logical sense to me is that they just want, you know, entering into year three. He's had a struggle with the snaps. Maybe just a million percent focus on the center position. We don't want to screw with you right now. We just want you to do your craft and do it well. It's about all I got. And like I said, maybe as the season develops, maybe then we see some experimentation. But it's been pretty clear that their preferred offensive line is Bach, Jenkins, Myers, John Runyon Jr., Zach Tom. So, yeah, and that, I'm sorry. I just don't have much of an answer for you. So. With that, I'm going to wrap this up. There it is. The 53-man roster, 16-man practice squad, 17 if you include the international pathways, guys. Four 
injury designation, guys. And ultimately, what that's going to leave at the end of the day is about 17 outright releases, guys that have been under contract or in camp during the course of the preseason that are no longer, as of tomorrow, going to be affiliated with the Green Bay Packers. One thing I would say, just real quick, I like to add in this note every year, and I'll, I'll wrap it up here. There's a lot of guys league-wide tomorrow. I saw the stat somewhere. It's like 1,184 guys that are going to be unemployed effective tomorrow. Many of them younger guys. Many of them have been working for 20 years with the sole purpose of their life to eventually make it into the NFL. And they achieved that short dream for a little while. And for many of them, probably will never achieve it again. So as they go through this process, just bear that in mind. I know I personally, even when I don't love or evaluate a player in a negative way, sometimes, yeah, of course, it's used negative. But, you know, I will just say, it's important for us to be respectful and bear that in mind. Cutdown season is very, very exciting for teams. Of course it is. We finally have a roster. It's go time. But there's a lot of disappointment with this too. All right. One more question from Tyler and then I'm out. Thoughts on Love's deep ball. To me, he seems to be aiming it, which is causing them to be underthrown. That's part of it. Um, if you go look at the video, also on YouTube, of uh, the QB school, JT O'Sullivan, former NFL quarterback, former Packer for a small stretch, he does basically uh, – quarterback critiques in video form. And he put out from this last preseason game that one deep ball in particular was because the wide receiver kind of had a, a stutter in his step on the way. And that made the throw look worse than it really was. I think dating all the way back to Jordan Love's college days, accuracy with the deep ball has at times been a problem for Love. He has the strength it's just a matter of where the ball's going. That's a little bit of a question. And I would agree with your assessment that he's aiming it. That perchance, after learning from Aaron Rodgers, after being in the Packers system, he's trying at times to do a little bit too much arc. He's trying at times to place it rather than just throw it. And I think Matt LaFleur last preseason in his assessments of love, a full year ago, was talking about the desire of just wanting to see Jordan Love sling it, use that arm strength and get the ball down the field. I think there is still part of that going on. Love may be too in his own head, you know, trying to use all of his teachings and less instincts, which on the whole is a good thing. His decision-making this preseason has been excellent. His footwork massively improved. But this is one area where maybe he just needs to throw the ball. So very, very good question, Tyler. Thank you for submitting that. And with that, I'm heading out. But like I said, I'll be back live tomorrow. Let's react to the Packers 53-man roster together tomorrow afternoon. Other than that, I hope you all have an excellent night tonight. Exciting times. They are a coming because we're almost finally to a regular season game for the Green Bay Packers. Thanks so much for joining me here on Lombardi Time Brews. And as always, Go Pack Go.